look out, man. It's season two, episode 13, here on The Recruiter's Corner. On this episode, we've got a special guest in studio, and we're talking about E to O, and Bingo's not his name-o. Coming at you, straight from the tap. Hello, 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 hello. How's everybody doing out there today? This is Master Sergeant Timothy Gallagher. And Technical Sergeant Bradley Byers. And this is The Recruiter's Corner. Good Sunday to you, my man. How you doing today, brother? I'm good. Hey, man, it's Master's Sunday, okay? You know, so, I mean, I got to spend most of the day looking at beautiful Augusta National through the television screen. That is some great viewing. Most beautiful place on earth. I'm pretty sure that's actually heaven. You know what I mean? No offense to any religion out there, but I'm pretty sure that's that's it, man. That place is gorgeous. Like, yeah. Hey, who are you pulling for? Uh, honestly, like a you know, it's pretty stereotypical, right? I'm I'm a woods guy, right? Woods isn't playing. Um, right, you know, right. I, like I've always loved woods. Uh, so I was just really just looking to for a good matchup, you know, and kind of seeing who could really. I was just looking for a good competition at the end, basically. And it, it was pretty close. It was, uh, I think, a one-stroke win. So, it was it was good. It was good All right, good. Well, so, you got what you were looking for. It was yeah. a good Masters. You got, you got what you were going for. It's been a long time since I've really watched any Masters uh, at all. And that's what I, I was asking you earlier about Phil because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, what, the last time I really remember being interested. Mm-hmm. It was Phil and Tiger were going at it back and forth. And uh, they had a good little rivalry going. Oh, I mean, that was classic, right? You know, you know, you know, old lefty, right? Versus Tiger, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a great matchup, you know, down the stretch there. But uh, times are a changing. Oh, yes, old they le- are. Lefty's getting up there. Tiger's been injured a lot. He's getting up there now, you know. So things are changing. But uh, I don't really watch a whole lot of golf except for Masters Sunday, you know, because it's just it's the best day of the year for golf. But. I hear you, man, because that's the same way I was about – that's how I am about March Madness. I mean, I don't watch college basketball whatsoever, but once March Madness hits, mm-hmm. I'm all about I'm all about it. And then the game before the championship game, when Gonzaga hit that shot, I don't even know if you've seen it on SportsCenter or anything, I did, yeah, but yeah. they hit there. What a, what a fantastic moment right there. And that's what I was sitting on the couch yelling. I was like, this is what it's all about. <laughs> that's what these kids are doing it. I, lo- <laughs> I was loving it, loving it. <laughs> just, just jump up from the couch popcorn everywhere right you know this is, everywhere. This is it <laughs> this is the moment that you live for <laughs> that's right i started strutting around strutting around the living room like rick flair woo woo <laughs> those, yeah, those are life. the moments man like you know <laughs> you got the final four uh you know and call it in march madness final four october for baseball you know the uh, playoffs for football and you know march or not march but uh masters sunday you know in golf like it's just you got some of the daytona 500 for nascar you just have these these sporting events that are uh, they just transcend everything true story man true story and uh you know you just got to take the time and enjoy them and take them in because they are big events mm-hmm. you know what else is a big event oh please do this, tell me. we have a great episode coming up Ooh, this what are event, we, what, the what corner are we, crew. What are we covering today on the corner? Hey, well, you know, once again, we were sitting out there and we uh, 
uh, reached out to people that we know across this uh, across the plains of the Air Force, and um, we have an individual that's going to be coming to studio here shortly, and he is the individual that we uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not highlighted, but said we were going to have on the in the enlisted to officer uh, individual. Perfect. So we have a uh, an expert in studio in studio to tell us how to go from the enlisted side to the officer side. Is this what you're telling me right now? Because I'm pretty, yes, there you go. I'm pretty excited about that. I feel like everybody else is going to be excited about that. Why don't you introduce him? He's your guy. Bring him in. Oh well, he is. Well, come on in. Hey, uh, open the door. Get on in here, man. Get in studio. Introduce yourself. How you doing, young man, Lieutenant Callahan? Hello. Thanks for having me here today. <laughs> It is our pleasure, brother. Uh, it's a, it's an honor to be welcomed into the corner with these two fine recruiters. Hey, man, now you're part of the crew. Crew for life. That's oh. it. Well, it's it's a very exciting moment for me. A little nervous, not going to lie. The finest podcast with the two finest recruiters. I think oh, that's very nice. We that's might. Okay. I don't know if we're the only. We might be the only recruiting podcast going. I don't know. <laughs> well, then by default, you get the, you get the honor. Of- <laughs> Give us the belt. Yeah, there you go. Was it do the Aaron Rodgers? You know, uh huh. Discount, double check. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um. No, it's great to have you in here today because I want we wanted to maybe answer some questions for some individuals. We get these questions a lot, and we get a lot of phone calls. And while we're sitting having our appointments, about hey, when would I will I be able to ever become an officer? Right after they enlist and after they get into the Air Force, or how is that process done? Is can it even happen? Is this just something that is um that is even viable? And what I tell them, hey, I utilize you all the time, bro. I use your story all the time. Uh, because you've done it. Uh, we worked together for uh, years in public affairs. I was a broadcast journalist, and this you know, it was a fine, fine photojournalist, I have to say. Many awards, <laughs> many awards this guy won. Oh. And, um, and you did what you wanted to do, and you went a different path. So please, talk a little bit about yourself. Um, give us a little background, and um, then we'll go and uh, try to get some information out there for, these, for the crew. Sure. Well, you've uh, you've painted a very rosy picture of me, so I hope I can uh, live up to uh, live up to it. But you better. Um, yeah, my name's my name's Ryan. I, I enlisted uh, in 2013 after uh, after a year of college. Uh, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do anymore, so I, I enlisted. I, I came in open general. Um, wanted to be a loadmaster, but there were no slots. And I uh, was lucky enough to get uh, photography. Still photography was the, uh, the career field at the time. Um, went to tech school at Fort Meade, Maryland. It was 60 days of taking pictures and uh, <laughs> learning, learning the Air Force way. And then uh, got to my first duty station at Moody in 2013. And I served there until I left for OTS in 2018 it was 2018 all right perfect five years in valdosta georgia oh beautiful beautiful camellia city of south georgia yes indeed valhotsta there's some pluses i mean you're not terribly far away from the tropicalness of florida you know i mean you're there you know Mm -hmm. not terribly far away from the 
Take yeah, a little bit of the humidity without any of the beaches. Hey, you know, like <laughs> maybe maybe that's a plus. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Moody was a good spot though. Moody was all right. Oh, Moody had a great time. For uh, for a young single dude, you know, it, it it's pretty awesome because you can get up to Atlanta, you can get out to Savannah, you can get to Jacksonville, you can get to Gainesville. So there's a lot of places to go. Uh, the the mission there is pretty cool too, with the rescue and the A10s, and uh, you got the the gunnery range out there. So you see a lot of cool stuff and Seesaw. Seesaw combat search and rescue. <laughs> a lot that, of Seesaw happening. That seesaw is actually pretty cool. What they, what those A10s can do for that man, it's pretty dope. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not kidding. It's super cool. Just uh, you know, because we we used to go because I, I worked on A10s over in Germany. That's what I was doing at Spangalum for four years, and we would go to Romania pretty much every year to do seesaw missions mm-hmm. at their range and stuff like that. And I mean that's I mean so I got a month TDY out of it every time and then you know and they got their CSAR training so we're like you know win win basically win win all the way around yeah <laughs> but checking out that CSAR you know it's pretty it's pretty badass mm-hmm. it was a yeah. lot of fun yeah I mean I I don't even know how many times we flew together in the back of a helicopter or a or C one thirty documenting those guys it was uh, always exciting mm-hmm. it was it was plenty of times mm-hmm. <laughs> it was plenty. Oh, um, yeah. You guys said, uh, well, you did close to 20 TDYs together, right? So, I mean, it's quite a bit. Yeah, yeah we did a lot of traveling together. We did a lot of uh, lot of TDYs. Of course, um, Avon Park, Florida was probably our state, our our big one that we'd always end up oh. going to for one reason or another. And oh. <laughs> when we got down, it's in the middle of nowhere, and you knew you were going to be out in the <laughs> – you know, we were just out in the mix for a long time. Oh, and yeah. Then, we uh... – about an hour drive through an orange grove just to get to the main gate and then once you're on base there's two buildings and one of them's the hangar that we would sleep in just on the floor was, uh, well, I, I don't yeah I, I don't think i was part of those ones whenever i was there definitely oh, mentioned um oh. gotta do our job so we're gonna need wi-fi gonna need a yeah. hotel they sprung, <laughs> they sprung for you you had the, the first gonna, class amenities <laughs> Exactly, gonna need a hotel. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, if we, if we were going out on some of those, uh, some of those shoots, man, we were, we were out there for hours, and then finally meet back up later on. Like we got to get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've been walking around these fields and <laughs> doing the navigations for hours. Like, oh right. man, sometimes you'd be standing in the middle of a field like. I think they said they were flying overhead at some point, but we've been out here for four hours and it's real hot. <laughs> and then, I see no sign of nothing. <laughs> so, so basically what you're telling me is that when you get into photojournalism or broadcast journalism or just overall public affairs now, it's not just cushy nine to five sitting in an air-conditioned office all the time. Oh, sounds not like, by a long shot. No. Sounds like no. you guys are out there doing things and uh, out in the elements. Yeah, and that was what was really cool, being a young airman in public affairs is you kind of, as long as you can keep yourself busy and productive, you kind of get to make up your own schedule. And like, so I liked being out in the field and I liked being out, you know, even if it was just hanging out with maintainers for a day, you can just be outside shooting on your own schedule. That's uh, a pretty unique for a, for a junior airman uh, in the mm-hmm. Air Force, I think. Yes, definitely. 
definitely. And if you, if you keep coming back with the good stuff, you're going to get more and more freedom to any kind of ideas that you have, you know, they're going to let you run with it, you know, cause you're coming back with quality stuff and uh, you're actually, you know, going to showing the mission out there in a good light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. So, all right, brother, um, you are now a Lieutenant and you're stationed at Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Tinker air force base in the uh, Oklahoma city. Very cool. So can you play, maybe just uh, give us a breakdown, I guess, of the situation of um, going from an enlisted member to becoming uh, an officer and what this OTS is all about. OTS, yes. Well, officer training school is uh, one of the, the several ways that you can commission as, a, as an enlisted member. Um, there's, uh, there's also opportunities to go to like the academy or to uh, get scholarships to go to ROTC. Um, but uh, OTS is probably the most common for the prior enlisted guys. Um, basically, they have several boards every year. Uh, we'll, we'll back it up even before that. So you need your degree first thing before you can, uh, before you can apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your bachelor's, not your associate's, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. Bachelor's. And how much does your specific degree matter to the selections? Uh, it it really doesn't. So I got my degree in um, information technology, and that has almost nothing to do with being a pilot. But here I am. <laughs> it's working out so far. Uh, you always hear about, uh, you know, the wing commander with the underwater basket weaving degree. It, it doesn't matter. It's just a, a box to check. Well, um, see, well, that, that's a good thing. I mean, I don't mean to kind of cut you off there, but the, you know, the reason why I'm at, I, why I ask is because, you know, when we talk about the line officer program, the, the, the fourth route to becoming an officer degree type really matters, right? Okay. They, they're very much, uh, seeking after the engineering and STEM fields. You know, so mm-hmm. like uh, just coming in with information technology degree, they're probably not going to look at you, right? But coming in through OCS or OTS, whatever, um, you know, sounds like it's uh, a little bit more freedom to get what you want. Yeah, that's absolutely a good way of, of coming at it. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people that I was at OTS with never even really saw themselves going that route. And, uh, you know, like for me, I – when I uh, took my first stab at college, it didn't go so well. I was still young and not quite mature enough. So I enlisted and I just was never going to get my degree done. But um, I got my CCAF done as a, as a new staff sergeant. And uh, it, was, it was motivating to see that piece of paper. And so I just, I, I learned about TA and I, TA paid for my whole degree. And um once that degree's kind of in the works, now you start looking at your options like, wow, OTS could really be plausible. Um, so that, that was kind of the case for a lot of people I went with. Uh, you know, TA paid for their degree and they realized that it was an option and uh, they, they made it happen. Okay. And how was that process nice. for applying to OTS? Like, so once you were like, hey, you know what? I'm pretty close to getting this degree wrapped up. I actually want to test the waters on this. How did that go? Yeah. So it's, it's, 
it's quite a process, no lie. They they kind of say that the application itself is almost the first uh, discriminator per se, because almost every board, it changes up a little bit, might just be in a small, minute way. Um, but the package itself is, uh, it's a letter, it's a formal application form, it's um, an interview with your commander, it's a, a whole bunch of bullets. So it just getting the whole package together takes quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, start to finish for me was about 10 months. Mm. Um, okay. Just, you know, because you want to be ahead of it a little bit. Um, so it, it's a pretty in-depth process. It takes a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, so it, it's just attention to detail throughout that process and like kind of making sure that you do a little bit on it every day um, and that you have the support of your leadership because they're going to have to help you get your commander to do your interview and they're probably going to help you write your bullets and sign off on the whole thing. Uh, so the process, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Well, that's probably where I would imagine that, um, coming in, putting your best foot forward, working hard, trying to, uh, you know, build on yourself and, and make, you know, just overall your shot better, yourself better, all those kinds of things is really going to help you out with that in the long run. Right. Cause you're kind of building your resume in person, like in real time with your, your leadership and things of that nature for them to sign off on you going to do this yeah absolutely um most of the people that that end up getting accepted uh have been in for a few years at least because that they've had time to develop and uh you know learn those leadership skills and you know have those leadership abilities documented in the way of eprs and quarterly awards and and things like that are pretty helpful for your package uh but you also sometimes do see some a1c's and you know, senior airmen selected who have um, shown that they have the uh, the ability to do it, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's possible for pretty much anybody to do. It's just how bad do you want it, and once you've made it your goal, how hard can you push to make it happen? Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, how how long were you in? Like, what was your, your total time in service whenever you applied for it? And then if you can recall, like, what was about the maybe average total time in service for your, your class when you were in OTS? Sure, yeah. So when I applied, I was um, just about to – I just tested for techs. I was sitting just under six years. Wow. And, um, yeah, I think so, just under six and uh, the, a the average in my class, actually most people in my class were prior master sergeants, but we had a pretty senior class. There's, there's also a, a pretty good number of, we call them off the street, but civilian types. There, there are a lot fewer of them because like you were saying, it's harder for them to get, to get accepted. Um, but uh, my OTS class had a combined 120 years of military service wow. already, yeah. Okay. So it can be done relatively quickly then, no, right? Because six years is, is, is pretty fast, right? When you, when you think about it. Because, uh, I mean, if, if we compare it to, say, like the, the line officer program, the LO program, right? You're looking at about a two-year wait 
to get in. And then, you know, that's in the tack that onto your four years of college, right? I mean, that's six years right there, right? Versus, I mean, you did it in six. Right? That's pretty good. Yeah, you can, you can do it quickly. You can do it later on too. Um, there, was, there was a senior master sergeant, a prior senior who was at 18 years already who, uh, who commissioned. Like, really? Wow, okay. It, yeah, the, the flexibility of it is really pretty fantastic because, you know, if, if, if you've been in for a while and you want to continue to serve in a new way, it, it's a great avenue. So that doesn't really, it doesn't matter if you've been in for two years or 18 years. Um, you know, you can do it quick. You can do it slow. You can do it whatever, you know, right. When you, um, let's see how I want to, you know, not to knock the LO program at all or anyone coming in out of the Academy or anything like this, but have you ever seen, or have you seen sort of like when individuals are crossing over from being, you know, in the enlisted life, you know, that they've done that time first, that maybe they have that little bit of more, um, credibility behind them at all or something of that nature or any kind of, um, just that experience that is sort of, um, that's sort of looked for. They have that enlisted seasoning. Seasoning. Exactly. There's the, the word. That's it. See, I, I got you. Uh, I got you. The seasoning. <laughs> and that um, <laughs> it's looked at as a little bit better, maybe. Well, you, you might call it a zest. Perhaps. Ooh. A little a zest. zest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Season, I don't, don't want to be seasoned. I want to be <laughs> zesty. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you do your thing then. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, see, yeah. see, this is what happens when you become an officer. You try to get fancy with it. You're like, listen, I'm too good for seasonings. I want zest. Yeah, right? <laughs> he can't roll with the corner crew and the seasonings. No, he's got to oh. be zesty. All right. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> All right, then. Well, I don't want to upset the corner crew here. Freaking uh, pilot scars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now you sound like my crew chief after my last landing there. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if they still do it, but I, I remember back in the day at Barksdale in the military clothing, uh, the military clothing store, they had a T-shirt for sale in there that said, you know, without maintainers, pilots are uh, just, what was it? Uh, just people in cool jackets and sunglasses or something like that, you know? And I was like, there we go. <laughs> that's so, a good shirt. That's a good shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you gotten uh, have you gotten caught up with um, landing and coming down with you know your your thoughts on what the write ups are and how to fix them and all that yet? Yeah, I just <laughs> leave it to them. They, they know better than I do. Uh huh. Yeah, but this is, <laughs> that's what we know. Uh -huh. well, definitely, definitely, there's a lot of opinions that come out. All right, so here's what's going on. Okay, okay, okay. Thanks. Uh, well, <laughs> you know what? This uh, is a fantastic segue because my uh, my prior experience as an enlisted person kind of gives me common ground when I'm working with these dudes. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's kind of like, uh, like a mutual respect in a way, not that you, you wouldn't respect any officer and, and they should of course respect everybody that's helping them do their job. But um, just having that common ground, having been enlisted, we can kind of just connect a little easier. We chat a little easier. They're a little more comfortable. Um, more re relatable yeah yeah absolutely so it it's helpful i think um and it, it gives you a, just a common ground makes you more approachable it's definitely beneficial Good. i think 
you know, because I do tell, you know, individuals that are sitting across from me, you know, and they're talking about, you know, they want to get right into it and, uh, and they're not really there yet. They still have to finish their degree and stuff. And like, just get in, finish your degree while you're in, get that experience and then cross over, you know, because when you're coming in and you're transitioning to the, you know, into the officer field, officer line, or however you want to put it. I mean, you're going into a leadership positions. You're going into leadership and response and having a lot of responsibility. So how about, do you feel you're ready for that? You know, that's what I have to ask them right off the, you know, do you feel you're ready for that right now? Or do you think maybe having a little bit of time under your belt might better prepare you for this, uh, you know, for this next step a little on down, a little longer down the line for you? Well, man, like, even if you are ready for it right now, you're not going to be less ready later. You're going to be even more prepared and more comfortable stepping into that position. And it's just going to be easier for you already knowing how the Air Force works, you know, like anybody that's new to the Air Force is going to learn some things about the institution as a whole and how to be an airman. And if you already know that stuff, it makes it easier to, to kind of now lead and help the other new airmen navigate that since you've already done it. So now you can kind of just second nature, help them through with these, these new institutional things while you're also doing your job and leading a whole, you know, maybe a squadron or a, a flight at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, I like, Tim, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was at some point in time, I wanted to kind of cover that. Like, obviously, you, you know, you're a pilot. So your, your day-to-day stuff is probably going to be a little bit different, but like, I know that you guys have to learn about this stuff in OTS. Like, what is the actual, like, like what do officers do like what is their primary job besides outside of you know like obviously you have logistics officers and maintenance officers stuff like that but like what does an officer do because a lot of people ask that you know and i think you know a a lot of applicants will just look at it as like oh i get paid more right cool more money let's go right but they don't really know what an officer actually does yeah fair question and uh, you, you mentioned those specialties so yeah you know it'll of course change and for me as a pilot what i do day to day is wildly different than say like an MPF officer, like your personnelist or, you know, those guys. But what we, what we do and what we learn how to do at OTS is lead a team and enable your team to do their job. Um, you know, it's people first. So your, your airmen are always going to be the ones accomplishing the mission. Um, and you just want to make sure that you take all the obstacles you can out of their way and you enable them to do what they need to do you know, every day in, in these crazy environments like Avon Park or, uh, you know, up in the up in the aircraft, even wherever you are, you're just trying to enable the mission and enable the people below you. Fair enough. OK, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good breakdown. Yeah, try. Yeah. Um, for me. So just to make it all about me again, of course, but um, <laughs> All right, yes, come on, Zesty. <laughs> Keeping it zesty here. I hear a new I hear a call sign coming. Oh no. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, it's, it's zesty. We're coming in code three. Zesty broke the jet again. Um but like so personally, I really liked that in PA, I got to be out of the office and, you know, doing things and hanging out with the people that were making the mission happen, you know, kind of ops focused. And uh, there are quite a few officer jobs that if 
that that are ops focused like being a pilot you know um the first several years of being a pilot it's about getting experience and learning how to fly and and all that stuff um so while you are still an officer first and you have to you know lead and be a good example and all that man i'm, I'm not in charge of anybody right now i'm just in charge of me learning to fly this plane which is uh which is appealing in a way i think it's pretty nice yeah yeah, yeah. Wait, how Go ahead, Brad. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, but but it's definitely not that way for, you know, the most of them, you know, I mean, like the, the non-pilot folks, you know, they're really right, in right. charge of quite a, you know, they're trying to make some other stuff happen. The And everything starts and ends with them, you know, I mean, if stuff goes wrong, officers are answering for that, you know, oh. like, and I, I know that from the maintenance world, like I've, I've seen more than my fair share of, you know, lieutenants and captains taking some, taking a lot of flack. For, for, for something not like going on uh, as planned, you know, uh, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, the, I, I don't think people realize like, and, and then I, I get a lot of people, I don't know if you get this too, Tim, but you know, I get a lot of people that come in and like, Hey, I want to be an officer and stuff. And you're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Right. And then you start asking more questions about what they really want to do. And they're like, Oh, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And hands on this hands on that, you know, be the person yeah. actually doing the things. And you're like, well, that's not going to be your officer position uh, for most of them. Right. You know, you're right. Yeah. You're not wrenching on anything. You're not going to be the one, you know, uh, you know, doing the cyber stuff or whatever. Right. You're just enabling all your people and managing the folks and leading from a much bigger level. So that's, like that. that's big, big time true. Like most officer jobs, public affairs is a great example. If you want to be in public affairs, it's probably because maybe you're artsy, like uh, like Tim is, you know, big artsy <laughs> guy. Arts. <laughs> artsy. Or, uh, Tim is pretty artsy. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, maybe you uh, really like writing or you want to take pictures. But if you go into public affairs as an officer, you're in meetings all day. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not really mm -hmm. doing the, the cool stuff that, you know, Tim and I got to do. You're just making sure that things are in place for us to go do that. Um, so, yeah, most, most officer jobs, it's not, you're not the mission. You're not doing the things you're helping people do the things yeah cool. and answering for when it doesn't go right oh yeah and you know answering yeah it's kind of like the master sergeant rooftop right like you're you're protecting people below you and you're shielding yes. them from yeah, exactly yes a little bit but you're doing that at a much <laughs> earlier stage in your career at a much younger age and without that experience that comes from uh, working your way up to master sergeant, so it's it's a lot. Yeah, you're thrown into the deep end. Mm. Yeah, you know. So I want to know though, man. All right, so tell me about your first flight. Just let me know. All right, how did it feel, man? Oh, how how cool how cool was it, or how nerve wracking was it when you finally got to get in there and do that first flight? Man, it's it, it's still to this day very surreal. It's been what a couple of years now. Um, you heard of imposter syndrome? Just doesn't feel like this isn't my life. This can't be happening. Like how this is me right now. I still wake up some days like man. I gotta. I, I know I'm just gonna wake up and go back to that public affairs shop at Moody. I'm gonna be a tech sergeant. I'm gonna take some pictures. Right. But, uh, but it's happening. It's it's it's. It's pretty wild, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'll never forget my first solo. They give you the, not keys, but you go step to a $4 million acrobatic jet and you just get to go fly by yourself for 
couple hours. It's it's surreal. It's really fun. I'm sure. I'm sure. I am yeah. sure it is. It's it's surreal. And uh, as you go through training, they keep trusting you with bigger and bigger planes. And now I'm flying <laughs> on a, I'm flying on a huge plane with a 30 foot radar dome on top and crews of 40 people. And I, you know, I land the thing, nice. I turn around, I'm like, wow, y'all trust me to do this? Pretty uh, <laughs> questionable. Well, I don't know so much if it's trust or just lack of options, really. You know what I mean? At that point, it's like, it's, you know, like it, it's it's their job to fly in the plane. They got to do their job, right? You know, I mean? They don't get to control this. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> They're not sitting out there handpicking you. He's the uh, one. <laughs> That's our guy right there. That's yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. You're touting me as a highly desirable interviewee. Now, come down to Zesty, the terrible pilot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't, sometimes these, this is the way these shows go. I don't know. Listen, one minute you're on top, and next minute, you know, it just it, it happens, you know. Yeah. You know the roller coaster. <laughs> it's it's showbiz, man. It's showbiz. Oh. <laughs> oh man. So actually, I kind of want to like back up a little bit. Um sure. because there there is a whole other piece that we've that we've kind of skipped in this process. Uh, because we, you know, we talk about like you need the letter of recommendation, you need those bullets, you basically need your career performance resume, you know, all that stuff for your package. But what about the air force officer qualification test? Because you don't escape that just because you're already in, right. That's something that you still have to take. Um, you know, cause like the RLO applicants have to take it our OTS in service. have to take it. So tell us a little bit about that. What can you like, is it drastically different than the ASVAB? Like what, what can you tell us? Yeah. So I will say it's harder than the ASVAB. Um, I've, I, I work with some dudes. I actually was just studying with a guy today for our flight coming up this week who had to take the AFOQT three times to get a competitive score. Um, Which that's, that's rare, right? Because you, you're only supposed to be able to take it twice. You yeah. The waiver for the third one. Yeah. He had to get the waiver. But uh, it, it's a hard test. You know, I had to brush up on math. Um, just kind of you, you fall out of your college level math stuff that you maybe haven't looked at in a while. Um, so I brushed up on the math stuff. There's, there's also a pilot specific section that, um, if you have the desire to go into a, you know, aviation field that you probably should study for. If you're not trying to go into a rated field, you, a lot of people just kind of tank that one because it's pretty specific knowledge. So the ASVAB, if I remember, was a lot of things that, uh, you might have just picked up through high school or through living life. Um, the AFOQT, you kind of you're going to need to study for. It's not stuff that you just would already know. Um, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Okay. But uh, you know they they have a lot of prep books for it. Even if yeah, you just have an old. Is, yeah, so there's a lot of prep books. If you even just have like an old uh, ACT SAT prep book, that'll help with the math stuff. Cool. All right. And then. Did you have to? Uh, did you have to have your pilot's license, your private one, or at least some flying time before you went and applied for the pilot slot for OTS? You do not. Um, it helps. So there's another test that you have to take if you want to go uh, rated. And when I say rated, of course, that that's usually your flying officers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's called the TBAS, the Test of Basic Aviation Skills or something to that effect. Um, and you'll literally sit down at a computer and there's a joystick and there's rudder pedals and you do kind of just some basic basic stuff. And there's, uh, there's more math on there. There's some navigation type stuff. And it's just to see how you, how capable you are of learning to be an Air Force aviator. Um, so getting flight hours adds to your score for that test. You, you don't need to have your, uh, your license already. You don't need to have any hours at all, uh, but it does make you more competitive for the board to, to ultimately pick you up. Nice. How I, many I was, did you put in? I didn't even go ahead. What's that? Oh, no, no, no. I was just, I was just asking because I was just curious if, uh, if you had to have it number one, and if you'd ever utilize the the arrow clubs or whatever on base to do that. Because I know I've had a few friends that did that. Uh, but nice. yeah, I, I had a buddy that I applied with. We actually enlisted together. We graduated high school together. We enlisted together, and then we commissioned together. Um, he got his private pilot's license at the arrow club at. Uh, Elmo. He was up oh. there as a weapons troop and got his license. And so he had a lot more points on that test than I did when we ultimately applied. Oh man. So you're telling me that a maintainer yep. got his degree done, <laughs> got past the AFOQT, passed the T-Bass, got a pilot's license and commissioned. Look at that, man. And people oh, say, you know, and people say you can't have a life as a maintainer. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, look, look at that. Look you want to make it happen make it happen people that's what i'm talking about man and a, Pete, what's up he's a special ops pilot now too he's uh doing hardcore cool guy stuff what nice mm. nice well maybe he's a hardcore cool guy i don't know oh yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> that that's actually that, that's pretty cool. I'm, that's uh that's, that's that's awesome i think um i think it's cool when maintainers commission over i mean i've seen, I've seen a, quite a few of them but Anyway, moving yeah, I, on. <laughs> I don't know why you're 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 saying maintainers can't do it. Is that is that what you're implying? No, <laughs> but that's uh, what like, a lot. That's what a lot think that they can't. Oh, you know? so you know it, it's weird, right? Because I've come across some of these things in since I've become a recruiter, um, where people will really dog on certain career fields, right? Like security forces or maintenance in general, stuff like that. Saying like, oh, you'll 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 never have a life. You don't have time to go to school. You don't have time to do these things. And, you know, and it's kind of like one of those things that we're always like, no, you absolutely can. Like, what are you talking about? Like, these are normal jobs. Like, you might work some longer hours here and there, but um, but you can absolutely still pursue your goals and your dreams. So it's it was just kind of one of those things. It was just a, 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 trying to be funny, but highlight in the same time, though, that like, hey, like this guy right here who did this commissioning thing from the enlisted side was best friends with a guy that also did it, but from a maintenance career field that everybody says you can't you can't do that kind of stuff, you know, that it won't yep. happen. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's yep. fun to dog on maintenance dude, because they, uh, they dog on everybody else and they know they have it rough sometimes. And, <laughs> and we, we, uh, you know, we all get paid the same out there doing, uh, doing that job. So it's fun to mess with them, but so many of the guys that I went through pilot training with the prior enlisted folks anyway, were maintenance guys, you know, That's and cool. they, maybe they wanted to go maintenance because they, uh, they liked aircraft. Or they like flying. Um, smart dudes. A lot of smart cops out there too. It's uh, yeah. just fun to, you know, it's part of the camaraderie being in the Air Force is messing with each other. 
friendly banter friendly banter uh, that's all well f- friendly banter and like messing with each other is is absolutely like yeah that's awesome it's one of the greatest parts of it you know because i i as a maintainer loved walking around calling people noners you know what i mean like listen man, you're, just, you're 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 a noner you have no idea what you're talking about right? you, have, you have no say in anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just you just mess with people you know? and they would mess with uh-huh. us too, and it's fine you know it's all good you know it's uh and that's fine. Like, that's all good. That's not exactly what I was talking about with people complaining about it. But, you know, but yeah. 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 Well, yeah. We'll just tell the rumors right now. Maintenance is uh, not a lesser person. Y'all are, y'all are the same as we are. Yes. And even that goes with the, you know, I'm going to touch base on it for anybody that would, you know, even for cross training. That's what I was told, you know, when I, when I decided to go ahead and uh, attempt it. Like oh well, you you know you're not gonna get out of maintenance it's not gonna happen it's just and I was did have you ever, you ever tried has anyone tried just telling me that I can't do this that this can't happen and I'm like no but <laughs> like, so what do you what do you even know then man stop well, it <laughs> so you can also cross train get it and move on to a different career field there's just so many of those misconceptions out there you know and <laughs> and the, the crazy part it's it's a numbers game it fluctuates all the time because you know it's mm-hmm. all about the manning of the career field you know right what needs what yeah what what's going to be needing some uh, bodies what what will actually let bodies go mm-hmm. things of that nature mm-hmm. i um callahan or should i should i call you lieutenant the lt <laughs> should i call you lt sir you you can call me whatever you like sir no lieutenant Callahan, I would like to know if you had any type of advice, the best piece of advice that you can give any of our corner crew, our applicants, our future applicants, our debt members, and our families. What um, what would you be able to pass along? Well, you know, I you can do just about anything you want in the Air Force, one way or another. There's a job for just about everybody. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility in where you go and what you do. Um, no matter where you go, you can, you can have a good time and you can enjoy it and you can uh, move on to bigger things too. Um, it, uh, it really is what you make of it and what you set your goals to be. And, you know, if that's becoming an officer, you can do it. Uh, you can do it. Anything's possible. There you go. Set your mind to it and make it happen. Absolutely. There we go. That well, I like it, man. That was good stuff. Um, Tim, you got anything else there, man? Did, did, we, did uh, we ask all the questions? Was that it? Or can you think of any extra that I don't know? I think I have all the ones that I had written down. I touched base on, and in, in the show notes, Brad. In the show notes. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. No, I did have one more. There so you, you go. So you mentioned that you were when you went through OTS, you had some of those fresh from college. Uh, folks in your class right yes like um how do you think like because we were talking you know obviously earlier you know about prior enlisted folks coming to becoming an officer and you know whether they were you know it more or less like more prepared or whatever right what did you think seeing your fellow enlisted folks going through ots right next to those folks like do you think like how do you think it compares yeah so OTS is interesting because it's mostly led by the cadets themselves. So like mm-hmm. at basic, each flight has, man, I don't even remember, two, maybe three, maybe four MTIs assigned to them, right? And that's just for your flight of, you know, what, 30 to 50 people, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at OTS, there's four 
maybe six MTIs for the entire program. Oh, wow. Um, so you, you see a lot of them the first week, same as, same as BMT. But then after that, it's kind of just run by fellow cadets. You stand up a cadet wing and you kind of police yourselves and you come up with your own policies and stuff. And uh, so most of the people doing that stuff are the ones that know how the Air Force works. You know, you have the experience, the, uh, the priors. Um, so the new folks are still learning to wear a uniform and how to march. And, and then there's the prior guys who are marching the flights and kind of teaching how things work. So interesting. Yeah, it, it was pretty apparent who knew what was going on and who didn't. Wow. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. And where, where is officer training school location? Yes, yes. it's at uh, Maxwell Air Force Base in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm sorry, Montgomery, not Birmingham. Sweet home Alabama. Alabama. Really nice. You have a rather than a uh, rather than a big bay with a bunch of bunk beds. It's like three to a room. You know, you still have room inspections, and you have to keep everything nice. But um, more of like a tech school dorm then. Yeah, it was basically. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say that sounds a lot like a tech school kind of a thing. It was, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, big, huge building. We had a CQ that we had to man. And, uh, you know, you all march out to the drill pad in the morning and march off to class or to the DFAC or wherever you were going. But, um, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Nice. All right. Great. And did you go into summertime? Because it gets hot there, huh? Were oh, you there in the summer? I was there January Whoa. to March. So it was actually pretty cold. I mean, after living in Valdosta, going over to Montgomery, I mean, I can't imagine you would really see <laughs> a difference. <laughs> it's just yeah. the same, just the same swampy feeling all over. That's a good way to put it. You're just damp. Just wet. All the time. That's why I always had to carry around an extra t shirt, man. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a bad day when it was like nine in the morning. We'd be out on a shoot and I was already, my brim of my hat was already soaked and dripping. <laughs> the, the brim, the hat got so, it would just drip and then it drips and it land on my camera and all that. And I knew, oh, this is going to be long. It's uh, going to be a big, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> and I was stuck in the car with you for an hour after that. Oh, Ooh, boy. Uh -huh. These could be ripe. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie I've been, I've been kind of spoiled for a long time living on because i mean i after germany because germany's not that bad as far as humidity in all honesty but no. you know after that because I, I was in louisiana louisiana was super humid uh germany wasn't bad then i moved to california and then now idaho and i so i mean i've been in some pretty you know decent places you know as far as like not having to worry about humidity or anything like that and we would deploy to kuwait from california and mm -hmm. um like Kuwait would be pretty dry, but every now and then the wind would shift and it was usually about once a month and it would be for, you know, a few days or a week or so the wind would shift and it was the most humid place I've ever been <laughs> on the freaking planet, man. Like, you know I mean? Like I'm from the South. I lived in the South. I was in Louisiana, but I, I swear I've never been to a place more humid than Kuwait when that wind shifts. Like it's like, it's, it was, it's hard to breathe. It's so thick with the humidity. It's, it's, 
It's really <laughs> salty in the air when that humidity hits. I mean, it's salty. Like you swear to God that like there's a grouper about to come by you at any moment. You're like, I'm gonna get smacked <laughs> in the face by a fish. I'm in the ocean right now. I have to be. Uh, God, it was terrible. Because like you talk about having to take an extra t-shirt with you, I would have to bring a whole new uniform with me every uniform. single day to, to work because I go out there and open up uh, once one set of engine doors and I'm that's it. I'm just dr- dr- drenched. Done. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I gotta change. <laughs> Oh, bring a gallon of water out of that. Yeah, bring it it out and hang it up somewhere so we can hopefully try to dry a little air dry. Yeah, it's just like a board. (laughs) Freaking humidity, man. Man, it's been been really cool having you on there. Lieutenant Callahan, it's been good catching up with you a little bit. You know, it's been been really a pleasure that you uh, decided to come on in and share your knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Thanks for having me. And I'll tell you what, there, man. Haven't been able to do it yet, but young man, I salute you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh All right. It's been my honest pleasure to be part of the corner with you, gentlemen. Nice. No, we definitely enjoyed it, man. We definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. And for all of you listening, we hope that you learned some stuff about being able to go from enlisted to officer in the whole commissioning process and how that works. And maybe it's the route for you. And until next time, we'll see you around the corner on episode 14. All right, and that's a wrap for season two, episode 13, here on the Recruiter's Corner. Thank you for stopping in and hanging out with us, crew. Listen, always please look for us and share us out there on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and any social media platform you can find us on. If you're looking for a recruiter close to you, go to airforce.com because that's where you're going to find them. Please always remember, after you hear us, subscribe, rate, and review. And until next time, crew, woo!